which is a very exciting return. Uh, so if you're a small child, you can, I don't know who's taking people to children's church. Sarah already left. You're late. Go catch up with her. Uh, <laughs> and everybody else, we are going to uh, pray in preparation for the... Oh, I think we're lost. What happened? All right, let's pray in preparation for the, the preaching of the Word this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would um, be with us today as, uh, as I share... Uh, as I share from your word, as I, as I dig into Christ's teaching on prayer, I, I pray that you would help us to hear from you, to, to know you more, to, to learn to talk to you better. Um, I pray, Lord God, that you would uh, touch our hearts and our minds, that, that those who are here would, uh, would hear from you, would know you more, that, that I would get out of the way and um, just... Teach, teach from your scriptures. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. So uh, we are kind of working our way through talking about how Jesus taught us to pray. And I, I sort of feel weird teaching on this because it's almost like, like in the years I've been a pastor or in ministry or what have you, I've done series on like, like all kinds of topics. And I've done classes. And like I did a, a marriage class and, and like the how to talk to your spouse is a part of that. And how to how to deal with arguing in your in your marriage, how to meet each other's emotional needs, all of this stuff. And actually, if you hop on um, like Amazon and look at popular Christian books, like all the best sellers are about you know marriage or about you know what have you. But I, I think we sometimes forget that our relationship with the Father, our relationship with Christ, our our relationship with God, is rooted in our prayer lives. And when we struggle, when we lose sight, when we stumble, when we get lost, when we, you know, get something stuck in our in our minds and our hearts that doesn't belong there, like all of that is a byproduct of, like, like sort of failing to pray, and failing to engage with God, and failing to to know Him the way we're meant to know Him, and and so today we're going to be digging in, and we're going to be talking about prayer, and specifically we're going to talk about. Um, um, the Lord's Prayer, but like we're going to talk about the name of God, and and understand as I do this, like like some of what we're going to talk about is a throwback to old sermons from years past, and so if you've heard it, I apologize. Um, but we're going to dive in. We're in the Book of Matthew. If you've got a Bible in front of you, find Matthew chapter six. Uh, we're going to read half a line. Okay, so I apologize. Half a verse. Every week I do a little less to try and shorten the sermon. And so now we're at half a verse. Um, big idea, if you're going to fall asleep or if you're planning on getting lost halfway through, the main idea here is that, um, like, so we start the Lord's Prayer with our Father. And having named and identified our relationship with God, we then acknowledge His holiness. We focus on who He is and on the attributes of God as a part of, like, worshiping Him. Um, and so, like, understand, so prayer is about communication. It's also about worship. In the same way as, like, I've been married for 25 years. <clears throat> and when I have conversations with my wife, it's communication. But it's also, I love you. It's also relationship. It's also affection. There's all this stuff that's sort of built into conversation. And it is the same when we talk to God. And so, like, understand, 
we, we acknowledge relationship, and now we're going to talk about, like, worship. We're going to talk about exaltation. We're going to talk about recognizing who God is in prayer. Um, so a little background. Uh, the way we are approaching the, um, the Lord's Prayer in this setting is as a guide for prayer, which I would argue is what Jesus is, is presenting it as. When you pray, pray like this, not pray these words. And the idea being that these are the topics that we hit on along the way. This is how we approach and have conversation with God. Um, Luke, uh, you could argue from Luke's presentation of it that, that the word for word is acceptable. And actually the Didache, which is the earliest Christian book that is not scripture. It's like a hymnal almost, like or a guidebook for how to be a Christian. It actually prescribes that you should pray the Lord's Prayer three times a day. And like it's got the written out version of it that you would pray. And they would pray it exactly. That's going to come up this week in an unusual way. We'll get to it in a minute. Last week we talked about our Father. And, and the idea there is as we approach God, we begin with, you know, God, you are my Father. God, I have this relationship with you that is like a father to a son. And not just like any father in an earthly sense, but like the perfect Father. The Father that loves us, the Father that cares for us in every way, the Father that meets our every needs and, and like, like desires for us to be close to him, like the perfect Father. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about holiness this week. And holiness is, oh, holiness is kind of hard to describe. Uh, I've been in some houses where people have special plates. Does anybody have special plates in your house that are on a glass display that you're not allowed to touch? Anybody ever seen that or aware that this is a real thing? Um, those plates are holy. They are set aside for a specific purpose and with, like, particular reverence. Um, holy is to be set, a, set apart for, like, a better thing. Um, God's holiness is because he is other. He is separate from us in a very real way, but he chooses to live amongst us as Christ and in us through his spirit. But holiness is about God's cleanliness and perfection versus our ordinariness, like our sinfulness, our fallen nature. Um, so, so that's the idea. We'll get to it a little better later. Um, and a quick note, finally, um, in terms of Jewish thought, like how they thought about things, for ancient Jews, they looked at names, and names were almost indistinguishable from character. Um, and you see this a lot in the Old Testament. And so, like, uh, Jacob, the name Jacob means bent, which essentially means liar. And when you read the story of Jacob, Jacob was kind of a liar and a swindler. And eventually, he becomes, like, God renames him Israel, which means he who wrestles with God and prevails. Um, or you read about like like all these different guys. They all their names reflect their character, and their names reflect who they are. And like in terms of God, God's names tell us who He is, right? It's not just um, it's not just what we call them. Like I call Titus Titus. Um, I call you know Jessica Jessica, or wife, or woman, or uh, sweetheart, or whatever. Like I have names for, but that name in Jewish thought, would condense into identity. So, we we'll read our little bit here. going to exegete the whole half a verse. So let's follow along. This is uh, Matthew 6, verse 9. And so it was our Father in heaven, which we did last week. Hallowed be your name. Now, here's a tricky thing. The word hallowed, 
uh, has long fallen out of my, like common use. Everybody with me? Like, like it's just not a thing we say very often. Hallowed. Um, it is sort of the verb form of holy. So holy is your name versus hallowed is your name. And so then like, like understanding what it means is it means to, um, we should make God's name holy or we should set it apart as holy or it might mean may your name be honored or let us treat it as holy uh some other ways to look at it the one that keeps coming to mind and i apologize i know it's uh controversial or whatever but uh my my kids all read the uh, harry potter books and the bad guy in that they call him He who must not be named, because he was so scary that to say his name was terrifying. He who must not be named. Um, The thing is, as I sort of search this, we don't treat that much stuff as as, as worthy of reverence, right? Like there are very few things that are treated with reverence in this day and age. Like we like to tear things down and treat them as common or attack them or, or point out their flaws. Um, And so you can almost only go to the most evil thing in the world and point to that. Whereas God's name should be honored as the one, as the most powerful, as the most loving, as the most. And again, like the way I would describe this historically, I've said this before. I, Jesse and I had a friend years ago um, when we were first married. uh, His name was Dan and we were living in California at the time. And one day Dan and I were at work and he turned to me and he made some what he perceived to be very complimentary remarks about my wife that were quite crass, uh, accurate, <laughs> but not things that anybody but me is allowed to say. He violated the holiness of my wife's name and like her person by referring to her in ways that were not his to refer to her. Everybody got it? Like, Jessica is holy to me. She is set apart for me alone and no one else. Um, This is the idea. And so when we pray, holy is your name, what we're praying for is we're saying, God, we want your name to be treated as special. We want it to be treated as like it's said and everybody gets quiet. We want it to be treated as like the thing. Um, Maybe when you were a kid, uh, like little boys in the schoolyard maybe would make fun of each other's dads and it was fighting words, right? Like that. Um, Where the God who created the universe, the God who sent his son to die to redeem you from your sin, that God, his name should be treated as serious business, as something we don't take lightly or throw around. Um, And so then when it says, you know, holy is your name or hallowed be your name or let us make your name holy... Uh, your name, again, in the context of the Jewish understanding, God's name is a big deal. And understand when I say a big deal, I mean a really big deal. Like, people would not say Yahweh. And in fact, actually, our current pronunciation is more or less a guess. Got it? We don't actually know how to say it. You know why? Nobody said it. And nobody said it for so long that we're not exactly sure how to say it. And so it's an approximation. Um, because Yahweh was never to be said out loud. Uh, the, the, there are actually versions of God's name. I believe Jehovah is a combination of Yahweh and Elohim, where they took the vowels out of one and the consonants out of the other and glued it together. 
And that's where we got Elohim, because like you can't say one or the other, so you uh, sort of say a mixed version. Um, and it's kind of weird. Like, but they took God's name so seriously, you wouldn't even say it out loud. Because what if I said God's name and then I swore in the next sentence? That would be associating God's name with something really common. Um, I would be a man of unclean lips from a people of unclean lips. To speak the name of God would be horrible. Um, and so they take this very seriously. But his name also tells us about who he is. And we're going to really dig into that in a minute. So understand, when you would say God's name, and even in the Old Testament, there are times where we see God's names used specifically based on what they were praying about. Like um, Jehovah Nisse, which is one of my favorites. Jehovah Nisse means God is, the, is my banner or he is the Lord over my victory. And when they would pray about victory or when they would pray that they were facing something scary, they would pray to Jehovah Nisse because God's personality is he is our banner. That is who he is. And he is going to go and win the day for us. And so you would pray using names associated with that because that is part of God's character. That is part of who God is and what God is about. And so to pray using God's names is to acknowledge his qualities and to know he's going to take care of me. I was talking with a guy uh, this week. We had some friends out from Canada. And uh, um, I was talking with uh, this guy, and we, he's, he's got a lot of businesses. He's kind of an entrepreneur. And we were talking about the economy. I said, doesn't it scare you a little bit that, like, everything's going to fall off a cliff here pretty soon? Like, it seems like the economy is about to pop and we're going to go into this deep recession. Does that worry you at all? Aren't you scared about that? And he turned to me and he said, everything I have, God gave me. And everything I've lost, God took from me. And it doesn't matter because God says he'll take care of me. He's promised it. That's who he is. I've watched him do it over and over again. He is my provider. He will watch over me. And so it doesn't matter. Of course I'm not scared. Of course I'm not worried because I serve a God who's bigger than money, is bigger than circumstances. It doesn't matter. Because what did he do? He stopped and he pointed to God's name. He pointed to his person. He pointed to his qualities. And he said, this is who he is, so I don't care. So I don't worry. Nothing in this world matters next to him. And I was blown away, right? It's perfectly time for this week's sermon. Um, Finally, there's a last little bit here. And understand, like, this is a very Jewish context. Matthew is written to a very Jewish audience. Jesus is speaking to a crowd of Jewish people. And this is a request for God to vindicate the truth of his name. And I'm going to point, explain how I know this and where this is coming from. But Jesus is not whole cloth inventing a new prayer. This is actually a playoff of a common Jewish prayer. And Jesus, like, really modifies it. And he modifies it in awesome ways. And it's essentially a prayer that God would prove himself. This is your name now show everyone who you are. And it's the Quadish, Kaddish, I'm pronouncing it wrong. And John will explain how to pronounce it properly after church if you would like to ask him. Exalted and hallowed be his great name in the world which he created according to his will. May he establish his kingdom. Does this sound familiar? Exalted, hallowed be God's name. His kingdom come. May he establish his kingdom in your lifetime and in your days, and in the lifetime of the whole household of Israel, speedily and at a near time, and say, Amen. The Kaddish was prayed three times a day in the synagogue. Which, incidentally, when the Christians start praying the Lord's Prayer, they pray it according to the Didach, 
three times a day because they recognize this is a continuation of an old Jewish thing modified and adapted to the new, like the new order, to the new covenant. Part of what this prayer is about, it's about God coming and vindicating Israel, reestablishing Israel's kingdom on earth, on the land. And suddenly we've realized, like, wait a second, like, God's kingdom is bigger than that. On earth is in heaven, right? Like God's kingdom is in us. God's kingdom is Christ's rule over our lives and over the creation, like all of this stuff. And so part of what they're recognizing is like, like you know, that, that God is doing something bigger. What does that have to do with hallowed be his, his great name, exalted and hallowed? The idea is God step into this world which you created or act in this world in which you created and let everybody know who you are and prove yourself by fulfilling your promises. Um, and that's part of what we're praying here. Um, there's part of what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, our Father who we're intimate and close with, holy be his name, meaning, God, you are holy, but also in your name, come and demonstrate yourself. Prove it to the world that doesn't consider it holy, Right? Like, there are people who take the name of God lightly and blaspheme and, and all this. And there will be a day where they stand before God himself and they're going to kind of, uh, right? Myself included. Probably a lot of people in here included. Right? Because God's name is so amazing. There's so much. His character is so much. And then to stand before him will be a lot. So how do we use this in context of prayer? Because that's the point of the series, right? Like, how do you take the Lord's Prayer and pray through it in such a way as to where you're engaging in conversation? Like, what does this hallowed be your name have to do with talking to God? I'm glad you asked. First off, our Father, right? God who I am intimate with. God who loves me like a member of his own family. First off, we can identify the qualities and the names of God and talk to him that these are who he is. We can acknowledge these truths in prayer and converse with him because this is a form of worship to recognize. Like worship isn't puffing up God's qualities because you can't, right? Like God's qualities are amazing. They already exceed everything I could possibly say about him. Instead, to merely acknowledge and to talk about the glory that is who the Father is, is to worship him, is to be in his presence, is to, is to exalt him. Um, we can do this, first off, by praying the names of God. Uh, I, I, love, I love the old-time style of boxing announcing where the guys walk into the ring and they're saying all his titles. The master of disaster, the, you know... All of these things are Babe Ruth, a Sultan of Swat, the, you know, and, and all of these like made up titles that have come, you know, come out of nowhere. Um, these are names for God that are who he is. And you can look, there are literally hundreds, hundreds, probably more in eternity, uh, but there are hundreds of names for God in scripture, right? And as we understand what they mean, because they all mean something, as we understand what they mean, we can approach God and say, God, this is who you are. Um, we can say Elohim, which is like one of those early names for God, which is God the mighty creator. This is one that I think, I don't know, I, I like to go for walks early in the morning when there are no cars and it's nice and quiet. 
and the sun is rising over the bear paws, and I usually walk up Kremlin, and I get a nice view of the sunrise over there, and I say, wow, God, you are so amazing that you have created this world, and every morning you paint a masterpiece just to wipe it off and move to the next thing. Like more beautiful than any painter, any, anything could do, and it's just a whim for you in passing. God, you are an amazing creator. Um, That is a real thing to discuss. That is a real thing to acknowledge with God. God, you are the creator. Yahweh, the eternal, the unchanging, the covenant-keeping God. Because that means I am who I am. What does that mean? It means God always was. Before there was time, before there was space, there was God. Before there was anything, there was God. Before there was wisdom or logic or the laws of physics or anything, there was God. And God did not change from one moment to the next. He is permanent and unchanging, which means that if God makes a contract, if he makes a promise with us, it is forever. Adonai, which means master or Lord. You know, and it's easy to forget that because we have no kings here, right? Except God is my king. Jesus is my king. And Jesus says, do this. I say, all right. He says, jump. I say, how high? If I suffer in the way that Christ suffered, I say, thank you that I get to be a little like my Adonai. Jehovah Jireh. This is an old song, actually. You all know that one? Jehovah Jireh, my provider. His grace is sufficient for me. Um, but that's what it means. It means my provider. And it's something that's easy to forget in the middle of mess or headache to stop and say, God, you are Jehovah Jireh. You are my provider. You take care of my needs. You watch out for me. Jehovah Nisei, I said already, he is the Lord over my victory. When when the Jewish people stood at the gates of the promised land and the ten spies came back and the eight of them or ten of them or the twelve spies, it was twelve, ten of them said, we're like grasshoppers before their soldiers. They listened to these guys and said, oh, we're way too small. We could never win a victory. And they forgot that they serve Jehovah Nisei, our banner, meaning God will go ahead of us and fight. And so they looked at themselves instead of at God. That's actually part of the reason that praying the names of God is important because we will find ourselves in places throughout our lives where we will have to stop and say, I don't know what the next step is. I don't know the right thing to do. I don't know that I am safe or that I will not end in disaster. And then at the end of the day, we have to back up and say, well, then who is my God? I don't know how I'm supposed to act now. Who is my God? If I'm serving this God, then I need to be like him. I need to reflect him in my life. And so we may be as grasshoppers before the problems we face, but we serve Jehovah Nisei. And he fights on our behalf. We don't have to do anything. He fights on our behalf. And win, lose, or draw, he's still Jehovah Nisei. Um, Jesus, which means the Lord saves, right? Or Emmanuel, the Lord is with us. Like all of these names, they're powerful. And they become flyover country in the scriptures. We forget what they mean. Any amount, I mean, like, honestly, you can Google and find lists and lists of these taking them and learning them and just stopping for a minute and saying, God, this is who you are and I love you. God, this is who you are and I find comfort in you. I find peace in you. I find hope for tomorrow in you. The names of God 
I think is really what this is about. It's acknowledging who God is and acknowledging the truth of him. Uh, the second thing here, actually, I would argue is, so praying God's names, and the other is God's qualities. Why would I say that? Well, let's, holy is your name, or hallowed is your name. Um, if you jump to the book of Revelation, ooh, actually, actually, even my first one, I sort of guessed at what that would be. Um, I thought it was going out of order, but I apparently, Eric, you know, Eric before knew what Eric today was going to do. Um, this is uh, Revelation chapter 4, and you can... Uh, follow along. We're going to jump to verse 8. This is a part of John's vision. And so John sees the throne of heaven and he sees like all of this stuff happening and the four living creatures. He's described the four living creatures. Each of them with six wings are full of eyes all around and within and day and night. They never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will, they existed and were created. I only really need to read verse 8, and I'll get to the reason why I went past it. But understand, whenever you see something in an ancient Hebrew context said three times, it means 110%. Got it? It means the utmost and absolute. So when they say holy, 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 what they're saying is God's preeminent base quality, the most central and dominant thing about who God is, is holy, set apart, meaning above all else, meaning of like worthy of reverence, meaning um, it's a little like church clothes. You know, your kids, they put on the church clothes. Are they allowed to go outside and play in them? No. (laughs) Are they allowed to eat anything with ketchup? Absolutely not. Are they allowed? I mean, like all these things you're not supposed to do. Why? Because those are your church clothes. You don't want to get them dirty. Um, This is the idea. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come, meaning God is everlasting, and his number one quality is his holiness. And so when we stop and talk to God, we can acknowledge this. And this is actually a whole topic of conversation to have with God. Because when I am in sin, when I stumble, when I fall, when I fail to live up to who Christ is in me, when I make mistakes, when I when I outright rebel, all of these things, Christ still died for me. And Christ died for me knowing that I would do these things. And yet God in his holiness is close to me. And my objective is to be close to God. And my objective, if it is to be close to God, I have to become holy as well. Why? Because holiness in God is a consuming fire. It consumes uncleanliness or unholiness. And the more God draws me close, the more he takes those things out of my life. And it's hard, but it's good. Knowing this is who God is, is powerful. Um, Going beyond that, by the way, everything in this list is is like a beautiful, perfect model for how to talk to God. And again, like if I was going to compare this to anything else, there are days I will stop and I will say to my wife, you know what, honey, you are absolutely beautiful to me. Because she is. 
Her smile is like one of my favorite things in the whole world, right? Why? Because it is. Um, sometimes we'll say to each other, you are my favorite person. Why? Because she's my favorite person. As presumably, I'm hers. There's very little about her taste. But in acknowledging these truths, we're having conversation with God that demonstrates our feelings toward him, our love for him, our our intense focus on him, like how he is the center of all things in our lives. Um, one of the things you'll see if you read like 1 John 3.16 or 1 John 4.7 to 21 is this idea that God is at the core love, right? And actually John says it outright, God is love. He also says this is how, or I think actually it's Paul who says this is how we know what love is, that when we were still dead in our trespasses and sins, when we were God's enemies, Christ came and died for us. Um, and so when we acknowledge that God is love, we we come to God and we acknowledge like one of the coolest, most awesome things about him. And actually to just to take time and reflect on that truth, to, to soak in that reality is, it's life-changing. Why would I say that? Because to recognize that this is who God is and that it is a desirable trait can't fail but to change you. It can't fail but to make us more like him so that when we deal with each other, we might say, you know, I love you even though. I love you through this. I love you, you know, because God died, you know, God sent his son to die for you. I love you because you're my brother or sister in Christ. I love you like this is who we are called to be. And just reflecting on it changes us. Last one I'm going to read here. This is Isaiah. This is a, by no means a definitive list. Everybody with me? I'm trying to give you examples. And as you read the scriptures, as you spend time getting to know God through his word, you will discover that God's qualities are everywhere, and they're kind of unmissable. Like, they are so overt and awesome that, you know, it's, it's like my wife being, like, lovely, right? Like, my wife's smile being beautiful. Like, you can't help but see it. It is there. It is tough to miss. And we speak to it in a reverent way, never in a crass or inappropriate way, um, because this is how we talk to God. And that's what the point of this is. Um, but if we jump to Isaiah chapter 30, oh, you know, I found this this week and I wanted to share it because there is a line that I pray frequently. Um, and I didn't realize that it was in Isaiah chapter 30. Uh, verse 18 says, Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. Therefore, he exalts himself to show mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. What does that mean? God chooses to be glorified through the showing of mercy. God could choose to be glorified by destroying his enemies, which would mean me. By wiping out sin, which would be me and you by stomping on and spitting out of his mouth those who don't quite meet the standard of imitating Christ. But he doesn't do that. Instead, he chooses to be glorified through the showing of mercy. Everything in life is worth living because of that. Because Christ succeeded in taking my sin on the cross and bringing me cleanliness, bringing me renewal, bringing me new life. Because he chooses to be glorified through the showing of mercy. He is the opposite of me and our culture, right? You watch a movie, and how does the hero act? The hero kills the bad guy, right? 
Uh, and actually, for a long time, it was a trope where the hero would show the bad guy mercy, and the bad guy would try to stab him in the back, and then he would, like, kill him because he had to kill him, but also show mercy. And in reality, I'm the bad guy who was Christ's enemy, and he died for me. And when I try to stab him in the back afterwards, he still forgives me. Because God chooses chooses to be glorified through the showing of mercy. Um, and so this is it. Like, so out of the gate, how do I pray this? I pray it, God's names, and I pray his qualities. Um, I'll try and post a list of names this week in, on the page, on the Facebook page, if you're interested in more. A couple of other things here. Um, how else do we pray this? We might, so everybody knows Eric is a Christian, right? Everywhere I go, people say, oh, that guy's, he's the pastor. Oh, he's Pastor Eric, he's this, that. Like, I reflect, I carry with me the name of Jesus. And when I fail, when I fail to reflect the truth of God's holiness, that reflects on him. And so if I am going to live my life as a follower of Christ, one of the things I have to do at a fundamental level is I have to take that seriously. Like Romans 6 says, I have to recognize that I was baptized into Christ's death and raised to new life, that my sin, I have died to sin, and I am born again to righteousness. Therefore, I have to live righteous. And so if I say, God, let your name be holy, it means when I live my life every day, I have to be holy because I'm carrying his name on me. I have to be forgiving. Why? Because I'm carrying his name on me. I have to be loving. Why? Because I am carrying his name on me. Everything I do. And it's something we have to ask for help for. You know why? If you try to do it on your own, you ain't gonna. That's it. God, let your name be holy. Let us make your name holy. And Lord... Make my life reflect that holiness. Make me live as though I'm carrying the name of a holy God tied around my neck or on my forehead or on my hand so everyone will see it. And remind me, remind me every day, Lord, that when I raise my hand at my neighbor, he's going to look and he's going to see his name tied to my hand. And he'll know God through how I choose to carry myself, right? He'll know God is gracious and loving and holy, or he'll perceive me, and I'll take the name of the Lord in vain by having his name on me and acting unchristlike. This is not a small thing. And it's something to pray about. It's something to take very seriously. Last thing, um, we are also praying that the truth of the holiness of God would be seen everywhere, right? I struggle with this a lot. I want people to know Christ. I want people to know that Christ died for them. That the sin that they're mired in is no different than the sin I was mired in. Sin all of you guys were mired in at one point in time before Christ redeemed you. And so I want people to look at me and hear the gospel. It is a huge deal because that's my job. That's your job, to reflect the glory of God in everything I do, to imitate Christ, to preach the gospel, to point to his salvation and his grace. And so part of what we're praying for here is that our neighbors would come to know Christ. I remember years ago, I had a guy who was my enemy, actually a couple guys. They were creating a great deal of difficulty for me in my job at the home, and I was told to pray for them because that's what Jesus teaches us to do. 
And I started praying for God to squish them, and I realized that wasn't right. So I prayed that God would help them know him, and that was it. Like, God, change their hearts so they know you. Change their hearts so they reflect Christ. Change their hearts so they're like you. And ultimately, that's, that's what I want. I want people to know Jesus. I don't want my revenge because I don't want God's revenge on me. I want people to know Christ, and I want them to know him. It doesn't even have to be through me. I just want them to know him, to glorify God, because God is glorified through the showing of mercy. And I want, in this line here, right, holy is your name, is basically like God let your name be glorified, meaning more mercy, more grace, more salvation. Like, praying that those around us would recognize, those in the world would recognize and revere his name because of the work of Christ. That's what we're praying for. This is actually a huge topic. And if you're praying and you stop and you say, God, let the world know your name is holy. God, let me know your name and see your name in action in my life. God, help me to reflect who you are in holiness. All of this stuff, like, you spend hours just talking to God about this. You remember when I don't know. I remember when I was dating Jess and we had a we met on the internet so we just talked on the internet or on the phone or what have you and we would talk about all kinds of things for hours. And once I met her in real life and I knew I was going to move down and marry her like as I knew I I would often talk about how just how pretty she was. I mean, my, I have always thought my wife was beautiful. And we'd talk about that and I'd talk about like things I loved about her or what have you. And that's that sort of thing you do when you're in that twitter pated ooey gooey phase of life. That's part of what this is. It is talking to God about how much we love, how much we desire to know him, how much we just are crazy about him. And so my challenge to you this week, as you are in your prayer life, the father thing every time. God, you are my father. God, you watch over me as a father. God, help me to know you as my father. But in this, pray for God's name to be true in your life. Pray to reflect and honor and be worthy of his name through his spirit. Pray about God's character regarding your life, your struggles, your challenges. Like, try it. Talk to God intimately. Talk to him personally. Take a chunk of time, and actually three times a day if you're going to follow the didache. Um, talk to God about who he is. Let's pray, and I'll let you be. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us today. I pray that you would help us to, to know you. Help us to know you personally and intimately. Help us to reflect your holiness. Help us to know your qualities and your character. Um, Lord God, I, I, so much more I wanted to say this morning, like about how each of the songs we sang as we worshiped this morning reflected aspects of who you are as just almighty God. Help us to reflect those things and, and reflect on them and pray about them every day, constantly, because you are a God who is worthy of praise, worthy of honor, worthy of reflection, worthy of our devotion. In Christ's name, amen. Have a good Sunday.